vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching, proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about teaching sight reading skills. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. This episode is kicking off our sight reading month on the blog and the podcast. And this is a super important set of skills that we need to teach our students for sure. I want to kick us off by talking about a little secret to sight reading skills that I think we sometimes underestimate, or I certainly did myself starting out. So, the thing about sight reading is that a lot of the time I've been focused on those beginning reading skills. When I think about reading in general, I think about, well, I used to think about note names maybe primarily, and now I primarily think about intervals and then layering note names on top of that and building up those beginning reading skills. But there's some little secret sauce that takes something from being someone from being a good reader to a good sight reader. So let's talk about that difference. What is the difference between reading music and being able to sight read music? When I think about sight reading, all I'm really talking about is the immediacy, right? When I'm talking about sight reading, I mean reading it on the spot, very little to no preparation, and coming up with something that sounds sort of good right away. So we want something sort of close to performance quality, like you would actually play it for someone else right away. Versus just reading, which you can be a pretty solid music reader and not be an amazing sight reader, right? You can read through music, you give it a couple of tries, and then you've mostly got it at a certain level. Um, but the first playthrough does not sound super great, right? or it's slower, or you need to stop and think a few times. There's nothing wrong with that, and that doesn't mean you're not a good reader of music, but it does mean you're not a great sight reader, because the sight reading is all about that first playthrough in my mind. So there's a problem us pianists have when it comes to sight reading, and it's, I believe, well, it's twofold. The first part of the problem is that we have to do a lot more than other musicians at the same time. It's just a fact of being a piano player. You need to read two clefs, not just one or at least two staves most of the time. And you have two hands uh, working on different things at the same time. Now, most musicians are working with two hands, but they're working towards one common goal rather than two separate goals, right? So there's a lot more coordination involved and there's just a lot more notes to read. Now that part is just a fact. It's just part of being a pianist. It's part of the instrument that I play and that many of you play. It can be a wonderful thing because it means we can create beautiful music. It's part of the reason why the piano is so popular as an instrument. Because it works so well on its own. Not that other instruments don't, but... You know what I'm saying. It's pretty full on its own. And that means there's a lot of reading to do. And that's just a fact of life. But the other part of the pianist problem 
is that we get fewer opportunities to play with other musicians. And I think it's these two things coming together that cause the real issue for sight reading. You know, us piano players are not known for having the best rhythm skills (laughs) among musicians. Many, uh, yeah, we have a bit of a reputation, right? And that's largely because we don't play with others as often. If you are a flautist or a violinist or whatever else, pretty much anything else, you are going to probably participate in some kind of collaborative music making. And in many cases, all the way through your studies, right? Many other instruments tend to learn in small groups from the start, just due to logistics and the size of the instrument and all of that. And even if you don't, you often play in an orchestra or a band or some other experience like that. Pianists just tend to have less of that exposure. And that is why that, combined with the difficulty of sight-reading music for piano, is why we don't always develop great sight-reading skills. Because the secret to great sight-reading is not just about reading. It's not just about intervals and all of those things that go along with great reading. It's about coming up with these things fast and it's about coming up with something on time. So yes, it's about being as accurate as you can on time, but it's more important that you're on time. And that's the part that doesn't often come across to piano students. Because although it might be disruptive to the listener, it doesn't actually get in their way to not be on time. If they take an extra millisecond to come up with their note, and that it's the right note, that feels more accurate to them. But it's less accurate because it wasn't on time. And we all know that rhythm is the most important thing. You know, most truly wonderful sight readers that I've met, much far superior ones than I am, and possibly than you as well, or maybe you're a great sight reader as well. If you are, I'd love to know where you got those skills, because most great sight readers that I know tell me a story that involves other musicians. So maybe they were roped into playing for their church at age 12 and they had to learn on the job. Or maybe they used to work in a school and they were convinced to be the the accompanist for the school musical. And it was this horrendous orchestral reduction that they had to get through somehow. Most great sight readers were forced into coming up with things on time and into guessing, educated guesses, because there wasn't time to read everything on the page. Now, I don't have that kind of experience myself um, in that kind of range, right? I didn't ever accompany a whole school musical or anything like that. But most of my own good sight reading skills, I won't call them great, but good sight reading, developed really when I started playing duets with my students which may sound a bit late. But the thing is, when you come through an exam system like me, you don't read enough music. And I had never played duets until I played them with my students. So those two things working together mean meant that I wasn't a great sight reader. I could pass the sight reading tests on my exams, 
but if you've experienced them yourself, you know they're not very good representative samples of what sight reading really is. Exam sight reading specimen tests are short. They're short because exams can't last that long. And so what they have to do is pack as much difficulty as they can at the grade level into those 8 to 12 to maybe 16 bars. So by the time you get to grade 8, you're just reading a kind of a mess. <laughs> I'm not meaning to be offensive to people who write these because I understand they're trying to fit with the criteria and truly test your sight reading, right? But when you practice these exercises and do these exams, the sight reading is short but really hard. And that's not what mo most stuff you need to sight read really is. It's about endurance. You have to get through these long passages of maybe medium difficulty, but you have to keep up that focus for a really long time. So where I really developed better sight reading skills was when I started playing duets more regularly with my students. I realized that this was going to be beneficial for their reading, for their rhythm. And so I plunged in and I started reading all these teacher duet parts. Now, at first, sure, I practiced them to make sure I knew what I was doing. But I had a lot of students and I couldn't always practice every single reading example, every single accompaniment to go with my students playing. And if you're thinking of those little strips at the bottom of the method book pages, I'm not necessarily talking about those. Those I could definitely have sight read right away. But I'm thinking of more complicated duets or things like Jennifer Eklund, who writes much more interesting teacher parts, which are wonderful. But at the beginning of this, since I wasn't used to playing in a duet format, I couldn't necessarily sight read them with a lot of accuracy. And so I had to learn to get through them because the thing was, it wasn't like I was playing with a peer. I wasn't playing with another student at the same level or a friend where I could be tempted to say, let's go back a little bit or let's fix this or go over that part. I just had to come up with something. It was my student, right? I just have to play something and make it sound convincing and make sure they don't think they made a mistake when they didn't. So that's where I learned to sight read. I had to come up with things. And I think that's the same feeling, although not to the extent, that those teachers are talking about when they talk about those experiences with collaborative performance and things like that, where they had to come up with things on the fly. So great sight reading is not about note accuracy. It's about being in the moment and keeping going no matter what, and then improving your accuracy from there. So, you may have heard me talk about doing duets with your students before in order to develop their sight reading and their rhythm skills. So that part not, might not be new to you. But the reason I wanted to record this episode was about the secret sauce. And I didn't add the secret sauce until later. So I now believe there are two modes that I need to be aware of with my sight reading or with my duet playing with students to develop their sight reading skills. There's the easy mode and the stubborn mode. The easy mode is the one most of us do, and it's probably the one you're doing most often now. The easy mode is the one where you make your student look good. You help them out. You point out where they should come back in when they get lost. 
or you slow down just a tiny bit when they do and speed up or go back when they go back over a mistake even though they really shouldn't do that. This is fine for beginners and it should be the default mode for any performance so I'm not saying you should throw out your easy mode. It's part of your wonderful skills as a teacher that you can do this for students and as I say it's great for a concert. But the stubborn mode is the one where your students will develop their sight reading skills. This is the secret sauce. The stubborn mode is where you go in and you say, okay, student, we are entering, we're getting on the train right now. Once we get on this duet train, I am not going to stop. Trains do not reverse. They don't change speed. We're just going. If you can come back in at some point, great. But no matter what, I'm going to keep going. Now, a side note to this, I will let the student uh, slow it down. If they think it's too fast, we'll restart at a slower tempo. That's fine. But it's the same tempo the whole time. So once I've explained this to them and gone into it with a sense of humor, so it's not like pressure on them, it's just this is going to be a fun thing. And no matter what, just try and play the ending note with me, right? And then I just go. I channel my inner metronome and I just go for it at that speed. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to fix anything. I'm not really going to listen to them. Of course I'm listening to them, but you know what I mean. I'm not going to adjust my playing to fit theirs like a good duet partner. I'm going to be a really stubborn one. And this is where they need to come up with their sight reading skills. They need to pull it out of the bag because I'm not going to change. And the more you do this with them, the more they will develop that sight reading instinct. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. This is hard to do as a teacher. It really is. It's so tempting to fix things and help them out. But you have to keep in mind that you are helping them more by being stubborn in this case. And you are fulfilling that role that maybe your student doesn't have access to, which is a whole group of musicians playing together. Now, my students do get to experience group playing um, every so often, but not all the time, right? And it's at group workshops, those are less frequent, but that's a big group. That's really good. Sometimes it's me plus them plus one other student in a buddy lesson or something like that. But in the absence of playing with a big orchestra or band it is really hard to get this experience of the train is moving and you have to run to catch up with it because it's not changing course right and you get that in a big group even though everyone is listening and working together hopefully the the whole group has momentum and it's going to go the way it's going to go so you have to get on board rather than expecting it to wait for you Now, if you have trouble or if your student has trouble initially with this stubborn duet mode, a bonus tip would be to use backing tracks for a while or in conjunction with this. So backing tracks, obviously, is a lot easier for a student to understand that once it's started, it doesn't change. They need to find their way back in. And it also means you can play in unison with them to help them find their way back in when they need that. So backing tracks are great, but for that truly collaborative experience, I think the stubborn duet mode is worth channeling and worth finding.
This week's homework is quite a big one, especially if you haven't been doing this thus far. I want you to find time for a duet in every student's lesson. And if they're beyond their first year of study, I want you to challenge yourself to make it a stubborn duet to include that secret sauce. I hope you enjoyed this week's show, beautiful teachers. Do let me know what you think of it when you get a moment and whether you already channel the stubborn mode or whether you struggle with that. I'll catch you next week. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today.